On this edition of the Iowa Business Report... Can I get what I need, and then what does it cost me? Iowa's economy is dependent on a strong foundation from agriculture. We talk with Iowa's Secretary of Agriculture about the state of the industry. Governor Kim Reynolds shares with us why she thinks the changes to Iowa's tax laws were needed to stimulate business and workforce. And in our business profile, you'll hear about a company putting old rail lines to new use. This is the Iowa Business Report for the third weekend of July 2022. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com. Here is Jeff Stein. Iowa farmers feed the world quite literally, and the agriculture industry drives Iowa's economy. We thought it was time, therefore, to get an update on agribusiness in our state. I met with Iowa Secretary of Agriculture and Land Stewardship Mike Nag in his office in the Wallace State Office Building in Des Moines on Wednesday, July 13. So here we are, mid-summer 2022. What's the outlook? What do producers and the agribusiness industry, what are they thinking? You know, I always start with the the first things first are, how's that crop doing out there? And, you know, crop conditions are, we have to go back, look at the beginning of the growing season. We were late getting started. We were as much as a couple of weeks behind when it comes to planting progress. And then uh, we got a great window in May and the crop went in the ground fast. And, you know, we know that we can cover a lot of acres when we get an open window and we did this year. But that crop has kind of continued to be just slightly behind average. So when you look at where we should be today in terms of soybean blossom and setting pods, and you look at the corn will be tasseling here soon, we are just a few days behind. Well, we're behind last year, but we're behind the five-year average is more what I look at is, you know, over time, we're slightly behind. But um, the other piece that's been heavy on folks' mind will be then precipitation. And we do have drought particularly in western Iowa and northwestern Iowa. But then you look back over the last 10 days or so, uh, really starting around the 4th of July, we started to get rain, really widespread rain across the state, above average rainfall, especially in some places that needed it most, again, northwest and western Iowa. So as we stand here today, I think from a crop standpoint, things look really good, especially when you look at the the forecast going ahead and you'd still see some rain chances in there. So that's what we need this time of year. It's July, it's hot, the crop's progressing. We need to make sure we've got the precipitation to get us through. When I go to the grocery store, I'm paying a lot more for things. Mm -hmm. And I know there are some people who don't connect the dots fully and they're saying, well, the farmers must be doing really well because I'm paying $2 more per pound for beef, et cetera. There are a lot of layers in there. My sense is the producers really aren't benefiting all that much, if at all. You know, when you break down some of those products and you look at the actual percent of the the price that is directly tied to the the price of the commodity or the price of the product as it comes off the farm, it's a very small percent. I mean, think of what's driving prices generally in our economy. It really ties back to energy. You know, we've got fuel prices. Gasoline in the state of Iowa, you know, over the last year and a half has doubled. What's happening with diesel fuel? What's happening with the price of oil? All of that, the whole energy complex with prices being up drives, uh, you know, additional costs through every supply chain. And then, of course, workforce challenges as well uh, are creating some, some price issues and some adding to cost as well. So, look, there's a lot of factors that go into what the price of that 
food product on the shelf is, and maybe unfortunately, uh, there's not a lot of that, that that connects back to the farm. However, we should also be thinking about supply. Resiliency in our food system is important, and that's where, again, we've got to make sure that we've got a consistent, safe food supply, and that's where uh, the American farmer does so well and has excelled for many years, and it's why we should focus on helping them manage their risk because, uh, again, we don't want to be doing without, even though things are costing more. When we talk about agriculture in Iowa, they're synonymous. Mm -hmm. And then people start breaking down percentage of gross domestic product, and they say, oh, look, manufacturing does so well. Well, obviously, a lot of that manufacturing is tied to the farm. So I think it's helpful sometimes to remind people, what exactly is the impact, economic impact, of quote-unquote agriculture? And I'll let you define that however you want, because that's such a broad term. These days, it means much more than it did 30 or 40 years ago. I love the jump ball, Jeff. You say, you define it. You know, because I always, I say, it's true that when you look at sort of using economic uh, categories, you say, well, manufacturing is our number one sector, but what percent of our manufacturing sector in this state is tied to agriculture? And so when I look at that broad agriculture uh, community, I, I grab it all, right? I, I, I take everything that's connected to it. But but generally what we can say is, is roughly a quarter of our GDP is the state of Iowa, one in five jobs tied to agriculture. The other way I like to say it is, look, our economy is based on agriculture, or let's say it this way, it's awfully hard to have a strong Iowa economy without a strong agriculture economy. And why is that? Well, because agriculture touches literally every corner of our state from border to border and and river to river. And it's so important to tens of thousands of farm families, but also the communities that surround them. So the numbers are real in terms of what it means. I also like to say it this way, you know, people think of Iowa as a corn and soybean producing state. Those are commodities. And it's not those commodity crops alone that make us what we are or make us successful as a state. It's what we do with those commodities. You know, it's it's the fact that we take corn and we, we crack that kernel down and we make things like ethanol and feed ingredients and other uh, bio-based materials and chemicals that get used to replace petroleum. It's the fact that we take that soybean, again, we feed it to livestock, we turn it into biodiesel or sustainable aviation fuel. It's what we do to add value that makes us special. And uh, that's something that we excel at here in the state. Lastly, we have such a disconnect, I feel, between our cities and our farms because there are many folks who still think food comes from the grocery store and they they make a, a real disconnect. So bring it all together for people who, just because of uh, their background, they didn't live on a farm, didn't grow up in a rural area, uh, talk about how important all of that is in a broad sense to the identity that Iowa has crafted. You know, I, I try to look back over the last couple of years and say, all that we experienced with COVID, all the disruption in our lives, what are some things, what are, what are a couple of silver linings that we can pull from that? You know, one of the things that I go back to, and I, I like to talk to groups, especially non-ag groups about this, and I say, you know, something happened in the last couple of years that, frankly, we didn't know could happen in the United States, and that is there were times in the grocery store that you could not get, and maybe still today, actually, you couldn't get a particular product that you wanted or a variety that you wanted, or you were limited in the quantities that you could buy. I remember my wife having to convince the the person at the meat counter that, no, we really do go through that much uh, meat at our house with three growing boys and that many gallons of milk, right? But but the point is that we've got, we've had such 
an abundance of food and, and ag products in this country that I don't think people understood that that could happen. And then it did because of the supply chain disruption. My hope, my prayer is that folks, more people will understand that that term supply chain, whether you're talking about your phone or your food or your car or any number of products that we use in our homes, that you'll have a better understanding and appreciation for where does that supply chain start. And with food, it does not magically appear on the grocery store shelf. With food, it requires oftentimes a farm and then in many, many essential hands along the way to get it to where it sits on that shelf or on your plate. And by the way, we haven't even talked about trucking and some of the, the, the challenges there around logistics. And so what we'll continue to do is tell that story of where does food come from? Where does your renewable fuel come from? And then what's the economic impact on our state? A strong agriculture in Iowa is imperative to a strong Iowa economy, and every Iowan benefits from that. We're going to do some more things here with how do we connect the dots between farmers and consumers to promote local foods or just the general concept of where do these food and ag supply chains really start. Iowa Secretary of Agriculture and Land Stewardship Mike Neg. The department website is iowaagriculture.gov. Still to come, the governor on tax reform, and will profile a business that has a new way of using an old item. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. However or wherever you plan to travel this summer, your journey starts with soy. Soybeans are used in athletic shoes, tires, and even biodiesel. Whether you're on the move by foot, truck, or charter. Soy-based products are making travel more sustainable for all Iowans. Iowa's 40,000 soybean farmers and the Soybean Checkoff are driven to deliver sustainable solutions for every life, every day. Find out more at IASoybeans.com. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, leading successful business innovation, growth, and transitions. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at AdvanceIowa.com. Governor Kim Reynolds outlined an aggressive economic agenda during her Condition of the State Address last January, and soon after, the legislature provided a package of individual and business tax cuts, among other items, all designed to attract business and increase Iowa's population base. I asked the governor why she thought the changes were necessary at this time. Well, first of all, our tax uh, policy is absolutely says to the entire nation that Iowa is open for business. Not only is Iowa a great place to live, work, and raise a family, but now we're going to reduce the taxes that you pay, our hardworking Iowans that are working hard every day to grow our economy. So when I took office in 2018, Iowa's individual income tax rate was nearly 9%. And when the last tax cut, the third one, by the way, that I've signed into law in the last uh, four years, goes into effect, our individual income tax rate will be 3.9 percent flat and fair and our goal is uh, we want to continue to bring that down so we'll do it in a responsible manner continue to invest in priorities that are important to Iowans but we need to let Iowans keep more of their hard-earned money and so this will help do that in addition to that what I'm really excited about too is beginning next year we no longer will tax Iowans pension or retirement income I said for too long we've been sending our valuable asset our retirees to tax 
Texas and Florida and Arizona. So I'll let them go down maybe for a couple months uh, in the winter when it's cold, but we want Iowa to continue to be their home of residence. And so, again, you know, those are individuals that volunteer and they have discretionary funding that they can spend on our main streets and in our communities. And so I'm really excited uh, about that. And we're phasing out the inheritance tax as well. And uh, we'll continue to work on the corporate tax. We're way out of line with that at nearly 12%. Our goal is to get that down to 5%. And again, by the policies that we've put in place in regards to our tax environment, we definitely will go from sixth highest in the country to fourth lowest. And we are saying to the entire uh, country, come to Iowa, we've got a tax environment where you can start a business, grow a business, and raise a family. And you're also trying to cultivate a good quality of life, and that has to do with the proper type of housing, child care, and some of those other issues that maybe we didn't always think about, but were always important. Oh, and it's such an important part, especially the workforce challenge that we deal with every single day. And I've tried to use not only state funds, but to supplement that with some of the federal funds that have come into the state, the ARPA dollars, to really address broadband. We've made significant progress on uh, broadband expansion across the state. We're leading other more. Uh, we're leading the country in respect to that. But housing and child care also are extremely important components of helping families um, not only take a job, start a job, but make sure that they have they have a family. They, they've got a safe environment uh, to send their kids to while they're in the workforce. So we've invested in, in all three of those areas as well and made significant progress. We still have a lot to do with child care, but in the first year alone, uh, over 9,000 new child care slots will be developed in so right now we have a grant program out that works with businesses to help incentivize and encourage them to either work with an existing child care provider or to think about bringing one on site with their business. I spoke with Governor Kim Reynolds in her office at the state capitol on Wednesday, July 13. Coming up, you've never experienced a railroad like this. You're listening to the Iowa Business Report. Looking for a great summer read? Get the July-August issue of Iowa History Journal to discover the journey of Iowa space explorer James Van Allen. Revisit your childhood through the house with the magic window. Learn about Sioux City's World War II Army Air Base and read the finale of our Making Waves series, which highlights Joe Dumont. Get your copy of Iowa History Journal at Barnes & Noble, Walmart, Hy-Vee, Fairway, and iowahistoryjournal.com. Support for the Iowa Business Report comes from the Iowa Business Council, a nonpartisan nonprofit organization working to elevate Iowa's economy through leadership, research, and advocacy. Learn more and review the latest quarterly member survey by going to iowabusinesscouncil.org. In our business profile, we'll introduce you to Mary Joy Liu, one of the founders and owners of Rail Explorers USA. You've heard of abandoned rail lines being turned into bike paths, and there are similarities, but this is nothing like you've seen in Iowa before. Rail Explorers has expanded to the Boone area, as Tim Harwood of IBR affiliate KXEL found out, when he talked with Mary Joy Liu recently. Well, it has a couple of unique features that we just couldn't resist, mainly in the form of two incredible railroad bridges, which they call trestles. Once we saw those, we're like, okay, we need to get on this track. How do we do it? 
We very early on connected with the Boone and Scenic Valley Railroad. In fact, we started discussions with them almost four and a half years ago. Um, it's not a quick process to make the stars align for you to be able to open a new division. And at the original time when we first spoke to the railroad, we actually did not think we could operate on the railroad because it was so steep. We did not have electric powered rail bikes at that point, And it would have just been really tough going for most people riding up sort of a six mile incline from the bottom of the Des Moines River Valley. That all changed about three and a half years ago when we developed the Rex propulsion system, you know, which is a, a system my partner Alex Catchpool designed for our rail bikes. So it works like a pedal assist, like an e-bike. So once you're on the rail bike and you're pedaling, an assist kicks in so that it really becomes effortless, even going up quite a steep hill. At first, you know, you think, oh, there's no steering wheel. This is something I can just, you know, pedal along and don't worry about things. But really, we have a brake seat on every rail bike. And that person has to be like the train conductor. You know, they have to be watching the track. They need to make sure another rail bike hasn't stopped in front of them or a deer hasn't crossed the road. So they need to be very present and um you know, aware of their surroundings so they can react quickly. The motor just makes sure that everyone is able to pedal at a consistent and comfortable speed. So really, it's very easy. There's not a long learning curve once you get on the rail bike. We do a safety talk with you and we make sure you're comfortable at all stages of the tour. So I think people are going to love it. We got going in 2015. We were the first commercial rail bike operation in America. And we got going because of my love of Korean dramas. And back in 2012, I saw this drama with a couple going on a date. <laughs> and they were heading off into the sunset on this crazy machine. And it looked like a little mini train, but a go-kart. And they pedaled off. And I'm like, what is that? So I raced upstairs and I said to my husband, I said, this is it. This is our, our new life, you know. And he said, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> so it took three years um, and many trips to Korea where I found the designer of our rail bikes and we worked with him to design it for the Western market. And that's the iteration of rail bike that you see now. Solid steel weighs a quad, a four-person rail bike weighs about a thousand pounds, and it's a thing of beauty. The rail bike is based on an historic mode of transport for train vehicle inspectors. So, you know, you see the Buster Keaton movies that have him pushing and pulling, you know, what they call like a velocipede handcart. And that was a track maintenance vehicle. They would go up and down without the trains and inspect the track. And throughout several centuries now, that design has been getting better and better and better until in the 50s and 40s, they introduced a, a motor car that really took away the pedal power of the rail bike. So our design is really a brand new design based on historical designs. You can ride with, you know, your aunt, your 
grandparents or, you know, a newborn baby with a harness on because you don't have to pedal. So long as someone in the brake seat is pedaling and that powers the motor, you can have different riders on that maybe not be the most fit and they'll enjoy the experience. We also have an incredible following in Rhode Island of families with autism that love riding with us because the clickety-clack of the rail actually soothes you know, their loved one. And so they're very popular there with them. Also, if you have sight impairment or hearing impairment, that's no problem again, because once you're on the rail bike, you can pedal and experience the same thing with all your other friends. So it really brings people together so they can have a shared experience. And again, that's what we want. Often communities find that suddenly the local freight line or commuter line is not going to be used anymore. And there's a lot of pressure right now to just immediately pull up those tracks, you know, make them into a bike path, even though there's no funding to maintain them. And we like to suggest that they consider the Rail Explorer experience as a potential uh, good partnership for their community. It buys them time. It gives them a chance to really work out what their future needs are because the railroad system in America was once king of the world. And, you know, it could be again. It's just a great way to travel. Mary Joy Liu, one of the founders and owners of Rail Explorers USA, online at railexplorers.net. Thanks again to Tim Harwood of IBR affiliate KXEL for sharing the conversation. In addition to the Boone Scenic Valley Trail, Rail Explorers operates in Cooperstown, New York, Las Vegas, Rhode Island, and the Catskills. And that brings us to the close of this week's program. We're back again next week at this same time. In the meantime, you can listen to all or part of today's program by going to totallyiowa.com and clicking on the radio programs link. We're also found on all the major podcast distributors, 19 now in all. The Iowa Business Report is presented by Advance Iowa, leading successful business, innovation, growth, and transitions. Search for Advance Iowa on LinkedIn and Facebook and get more at AdvanceIowa.com. We welcome your comments. Send them by email to radio at totallyiowa.com. I'm Jeff Stein. Thank you for joining us, and we hope you have a prosperous week. The Iowa Business Report is a copyrighted production of Totally Iowa Media, which is solely responsible for its content. For more, click on the radio programs button at totallyiowa.com.